for my viewers. Can you uh, let them know, you know, who you are, what you do, and uh, we'll go from there? Sure. Yeah. So I'm Ryan Smith. I created the Launch Your Farm program. It's a show and I've got some courses and training. So basically I teach agents how to grow their geographic farm. So there's different types of farming, but I really like to focus on the geographic farming, which is focusing on an area, becoming the neighborhood specialist. So my show is basically I interview agents who do geographic farming. I kind of show best practices. I also interview uh, industry professionals too, not just the agents themselves. And basically I want to share the love of geographic farming and help other agents realize it's a great way to do business. And I, I firmly believe that the future is farming. So I think that if people, agents can really get on board and understand why they should be farming in their area, it can really change their business and, and change our industry as a whole too. That makes sense. Um, were you an agent before? Yep. I still am. I'm still licensed. So I've been coming up to 13 years in the business and I've tried everything. I've done everything and I've moved a number of times and that's kind of what forced me to learn the business and how to grow my business and, and the, and my farms as well. So I've moved three times. So I, my very first time I started, I moved to a completely different area and started my business right from scratch. From there, I joined a team, learned kind of the, the basis of what I needed for, for real estate. And then my boss at the time told me to start a farm and I didn't really listen. And then I moved and then I tried starting a farm. So I had a mortgage broker and a home stager and we got together and we tried doing a farm and it, failed miserably. And then I moved again and I moved out to the uh, Burlington area. And then I started my farm there. And that's when I really started having success with it. And then I really dove into what the benefits of farming are and why agents should be doing it. Well, that makes sense. What was your motivation to like, I mean, yeah, you're, you're still an agent and you're still doing it for yourself. What was your motivation to teach other people to do it? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So for me, the reason I shifted gears into this is because I saw a real need for it because especially with farming, a lot of people have, who have taught farming in the past have taught that it's postcards and door knocking. And that's kind of what the premise is. And a lot of agents have a misunderstanding around what farming is. And I talked to many, many, many agents and a lot of them go back to that training, which they were taught if they've been around for a long time, that was originally what they were taught or that's kind of what's carried forward. And I wanted to kind of break that myth and show agents that there's a new way of doing it. And the real reason I, I, I'm doing this is because I, I love helping people and I love sharing. So I come from a family of people who give back and, and help. So my parents were ran a foster home and group home and my brother did missions work and things like that. And so my life has always been trying to give back to people. And I was trying to find in my life what that means for me. And, and I realized over the last few years that it's really giving back to other agents. And then I took a job as a productivity coach in my office. So I really got into helping agents one-on-one -on -one and really watching their businesses grow. And that really catapulted me to want to do this even more. Well, that makes sense. So yeah, you were touching upon it. A lot of people think that farming is just postcards in a certain area and stuff, right? And being yep. honest, what I've done was postcards in a certain area, just the same. Yep. And I've done some door knocking and didn't think much of it past that. But obviously I, I'm fully aware that it's more to it than just that. Yeah, so, and it, it, it can be whatever you want it to be. And that's what I, I think that's the magic of farming. True, true. So what would you suggest? Like, I mean, pretend I'm a new agent, I'm approaching you, and I want to start and I want to pick an area. So what would what would your what like step number one, what would that be? So I would say the first step always for me is your budget and to figure out what your budget is. And that's not just your budget of money, it's your budget of time as well. So if you're a brand new agent, you may not have a lot of money because you're keeping your expenses low and you just spent it all on your courses. So you may have more time budget. So you, you need to figure out some strategies that you can then do that will match your budget and your time. So once you know, kind of, am I going to be 
time heavy or am I going to be budget heavy? I talk about the third energy or the third budget is energy. So you need to find something that you're going to enjoy and actually stick with because I can tell you to go door knock. And if you hate door knocking, or I can tell you to cold call, if you hate cold calling, I can tell you to do open houses and you hate it. It's going to zap that energy. So you always have to have that balance of having the right budget of your time, money, and energy. So as a new agent, I always advise agents to start small. So a lot of times agents think, well, I got to go big. Cause I, I have more people know about who I am. And, and I say, go smaller, keep going smaller. So as a new agent, usually you're looking at are between 500 and 2000 homes, but ideally you're looking at about a thousand to 1500 homes. And I would say, start small, get your systems in place, get the things that you want to figure it out first, try it on that little area. Then you can always expand. So don't try. If you have a neighborhood of 3000 homes, don't do everything and try to, to blow all your money and time in that whole area, start in a small pocket first. So that would be my, my first step. That makes sense. Like when I started out, I tried to uh, do the opposite of what you said. Yeah. I got, uh, I printed up door knockers. I did like 25,000 of them. Um, yeah. Combination of mail outs, uh, door knocking. And I just tried to reach every area. And uh, yeah, it just, it's really not effective. Yeah. And you, you, you only hit someone once. And the reality is we get hit with so many messages every day that in order to be effective, you have to be more often and more effective with your message. So a one shot message is not going to get people. So that's why when, uh, agents tell me they said, "Well, I'll do it every two months, or my only my budget only allows for quarterly." I say, "Then pick a smaller area and, and do a smaller pocket." And I use my my friend Adam as example all the time when I talk about it. He picked an area; it was about 250 homes, I think maybe 250, 280 homes. And he said, "I'm going to set aside enough money for the year that if I lose it, I'm not going to care." So that's how he picked the size of his little pocket, and it was about 100 bucks a month. He was printing out flyers, and he picked that area. And he ended up getting, I think it was eight or nine sales out of that 250 homes. He had 80 plus percent market share because he went small and just kept hitting it, kept hitting it, kept hitting it, kept hitting it. And he got way more out of that than if he took the same budget and tried to go big. And he could have spent way more money and still not have the same results. So that's the magic of farming and why it works is you can really hyper-focus and go really local and tailor your message, tailor your audience and get in front of the right people more often. Right. That makes sense. I, 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 I get it. You're right. You're right. Like a smaller is better that way. Frequency. Yep. And it's like I said, when I started, I mean, again, I, when I started, this is a good five years ago and the market is even more competitive today than yep. it was when I started. So, I mean, I, like I said, 25,000 flowers, I door knocked, I did everything. And I mean, and I did it monthly. Yep. But I was all over the place. Message right. was different all the time, trying to exactly. always work on the brand instead of working on the message. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, lo and behold, you know, I mean, that's a lot of wasted dollars. Sometimes, exactly. yeah, like, I mean, I spent thousands of dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, that, and, that, and that's the reality for a lot of agents. And that happens. And, it's, and I would say, don't beat yourself up over that because that's it's not your fault. A lot That's just the way people were trained or taught or, or they don't know. And, and I always talk about this business. We get into it and they don't teach us how to, run the business or to get people into our pipeline. They teach us how to not get sued. They teach us how to write a contract. And that's basically the, the, the premise of what we work on when we get our license. And then if you're at a good brokerage, they'll teach you that. But like even within farming, there's not a lot of great training and resources around how to properly farm. There's that old school approach being taught or has been passed down. And that's really why I, I started this to, to help share that message. That's true. It makes sense. So yeah. Okay. So your number one step was to figure out your budget and whatever, like, what would you do? Like, like, obviously it's gotta be more than flyers, like break yep. it down. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I, I always tell people when you're looking at a farm, 
you, the number one thing in my opinion is to look at the community and what you can do for the community. So I'm going to share one of the things that I teach is the scope method. So it's five strategies that you should have to have a well-balanced approach in your farm. So the scope is self-promotion is one strategy. C is community. O is online. P is prospecting and E is education. So when you're going through and you're trying to develop the programs and your marketing and, and your, your whole system, you really should look at that balanced approach of the scope method. And, and you need to look at it and go, can I overlap some of those? So can I do an education piece that is also a community base? Can I do a self-promotion that's also prospecting base? And can I do it online that's community based? So you want to start looking at what can I do to tie things together? In my opinion, the best way to really get involved and make a difference is look at what can I do for the community? And I think that's a great place to start. And if you start there, then you can then work backwards. A lot of agents come into their farm and go, I'm just going to self-promote and prospect. And it's just all about them. And the self-promotion is that typical old school farming, which definitely can work, but it's not the most balanced approach. And they just go in there. I'm great. I'm awesome. Use me. I'm the best agent. Call me. And, th and that's the approach they take. And in reality, the community is sitting there going, well, do you care about me? Do you know anything about the community? Why should I choose you over the thousands of other agents in the area? So when you can make it community focused, it changes the focus on what you're doing to why you're doing it. So I always say start with the community and then work backwards. So I can dive into a bunch of different strategies if you want, but I'll, I'll let you kind of lead where you want me to go with it. But I'd say start with that community and then you can add in stuff. That makes sense. I mean, a lot of people are self-promoting, like you said, right? Um, it's going on a belief that the more popular I am, the more they want to use me. Yep. That's not necessarily true. I mean, it could work. Yep. I think the, like the branding and the popularity gives you the credibility but it still doesn't give them a reason to why use you. Exactly. I, mean, I know a lot of people. doesn't mean I'd use them. I just know yep. them. Exactly. Right. So, I mean, people, let's face it as a general rule, society is a general rule is very, very selfish. Yep. Um, not necessarily in a negative condescending way, but people are always worried yep. about their, uh, how they're going to survive and how they're going to get what they need. Exactly. Right. So then everybody else comes out a second. Yep. That exactly. being said, if they don't know how your service is going to benefit them, they won't call. Exactly. It's the what's in it for me model. You have to think, and that's how your marketing and, and your approach should be. It's what's in it for them and how can I help them? Because they want to know, what are you going to do to help me? Why should I choose you? And, and we think as agents, well, we do a great job. And I use the exact same thing with like a mortgage broker. A mortgage broker will say, well, I have the best rates. Well, if that's the reason you're approaching me to work with you because you have the best rates, well, every mortgage broker has the best rates. So what are you doing above and beyond from for, for me that would make a difference and when it comes to our clients and, and the farm you have to take that what's in it for me approach for them and go why would they want to choose you why should they choose you over anyone else and that's using that scope method you can hit people in different ways some people want the community-based approach someone some people want to be educated some people want to be online some people want that they know that you're giving back to their community some people want to know that you're the the expert and and you know more than anyone else and some people just go well i want a name that i recognize and, and when you do it right you can attract more people but if you just have one pillar of business you're only going to attract that type of person who's going to resonate with that so if you're just doing the self-promotion then only a certain percentage of the population will be drawn to that self-promotion and only a certain percentage will be drawn to the community so when you layer them together you have a, a higher chance of, of succeeding Makes absolute sense. I totally get that. Um, 
yeah so like that's the thing right now here here's the thing right how do you choose an area yeah so that's that's a loaded question too so <laughs> there's no right or wrong um there are definitely some things that are important and I, again going back to what was taught what was taught was that agents should focus on turnover rate and that was the number that's the thing that was passed down people say look for something with a good turnover rate and then look for an area that you either live in because you know people and that's the kind of the two reasons why people would choose a farm and i get that all the time agents come to me and say well i live in the area should i focus on it i said you could it might be a good might be a good reason or they say well i found an area that's got a good turnover rate but there's a lot of different things you need to take into consideration when you're choosing a farm area and again there's no right or wrong there's you kind of have to look at it from a holistic approach and see all the things so there's competition so how much competition is there any competition is there anyone specifically farming the area or are they not farming the area is there agents doing a lot of business just by default just because they're doing business because they do a lot of business in the area it doesn't mean you shouldn't go after that area price point is a big factor when you're choosing it, do you want to go after a low price point? There's some definite benefits to a low price point or going after the high price point. A lot of agents are drawn to that high price point going, well, there's bigger commissions and I could get a, I, I only need a smaller piece of the pie. Well, a lot of agents are thinking that same thing and they're all going after it. And you could go into an area that has 10 agents all competing, or you can go over here to an area that has one agent competing and at different price point. Um, another thing I talk about is the total farm value. So that's looking at all the commissions that come out of that area. So if there's a thousand homes in the area and there's 50 home sales, there's at $10,000 a commission on average. So there's $500,000 from the selling side and $500,000 on the buy side. So there's actually a million dollars worth of commission in the whole area. So if you say, okay, if I was to get every single deal in this neighborhood, it's worth a million dollars. So you kind of figure out what's the, the total farm value. And this area may have a different farm value than this area, and that may help make a decision. Another one is turnover rate. So for the listeners who may not know, that's the number of homes sold in a 12-month period divided by the total number of sales. So if you have 1,000 homes and 50 homes sale, that's a 5% turnover rate. So for some agents, they've, said, they've heard different things. I've heard agents tell me that people have told them, oh, you need a 10% turnover rate or higher. There's very few places that have a 10% turnover rate or higher, very few. And if they are, there's usually a reason why, or it's a short-lived period where they may have an upswing, maybe a, a new development that was just turning over a couple of years in, after it's been built and they're all selling them. So very few places actually can maintain a 10% turnover rate. So using that 10% number is, is high. So I tell agents between a good number is between four and 8%, but five to 7% is where you normally will find a turnover rate. So yeah, turnover rate is, is one number to look into style of homes, uh, demographics. If, if it's a young families living there and I'm a young family and I resonate with young families, that will help. If it's, uh, senior citizens that have been there for 40 years and they still have the green shag carpet and the original home and they haven't moved there for, they raise their kids there. Uh, if you're 28 years old, you may not resonate with, with a 80 year old person. So you figure out who you're going to resonate with. Another one is style of homes itself. So you could go after condos. You may want to specialize in condos and pick a condo building, or you may want to go after townhomes in an area. So there's no right or wrong, but it's really going to be what's what works for you as a whole and taking into all those things into consideration. Then you can then decide what's a good fit, what's not a good fit for me. But for me, my average, what I look for when I'm choosing a farm is at or just below average price point. So if the average price point is 500,000, somewhere between 400 and $500,000 price point, because that's usually where you have 
a good turnover rate. You get people moving up in that price point. They're usually moving from their first time. So they may move from their condo into a, a detached home or something. They're moving up. So you have a potential to capture them at that point. And then you have the potential from those people when they're moving to move on to a, a larger home or moving down. If you go after too high of a price point, they may move there and then move and stay there for 20 years because it's their forever home for the next for, for, for a long time. So there's not a lot of turnover rate. Or if it's at a really high price point, odds are they've done well for themselves and they've bought and sold homes and they're not planning to move for a while and they don't need another agent because they, they know someone. So for me, it's that middle price point. Um, for me, it's obviously turnover rates important. I don't think you need to live in the area to farm it. You can, and that's one thing if you if you want to, because you know people, you've got connections and you know the neighbors. But some agents don't want to be the celebrity in their neighborhood. They don't want people to know their business. They don't want their neighbors to know what's going on. And so there's no, you don't have to live in it. I, I would rather pick an area that has good numbers and a good overall farm uh, that makes sense for the farm than just because I live in it. Well, I agree. I agree with you on that, right? Like it's one of those things that even that's another thing I have personally learned from myself. Mm. I started trying to be everything for everybody. And I'm yeah. not saying I don't, I'm not saying that I don't take a lot of stuff that, yeah. you know, that that's against what I normally, what I'm about to say, yeah. but I'm trying to focus. Like I, in general, I try to find clients that kind of like what I like yep. and for what I want. Yep. Um, I'm one of those brutally honest people. And, um, and I've been in places that I thought this is not my target at all. Yep. And trust me, because I have trouble holding my tongue when somebody <laughs> says, what do you think of this? And I'm sitting there going, uh, <laughs> cause I don't know how to answer it. And you know, so yep. if I answer it, I'm going to say, I think it looks like crap. Yep. Right. So, uh, or sometimes it's the opposite. I look at it and I just, I don't think the clients I'm showing can afford this. Yep. Right. But it, you know what I mean? It's one of those things that if you're going at, in a spot that's not your fit, then you're, uh, you're sort of kind of winging it. You're not really talking because yeah. it's not things you understand. And it's, not, and, not, it's not intelligence. It's just if you can't relate to something, it's harder to, uh, you know, to, to be on the same page as the person. So yeah, I think exactly. that's an important part. Yeah. And you don't have to not do that business. But if you can put your time and attention into the business that you do resonate with, for example, first-time homebuyers, if you know your first-time homebuyer market, you can create an incredible marketing package you can create listing or uh, presentations you can create educational resources and really know first-time home buyers doesn't mean you're not going to work with someone who's not a home buyer but when you do first-time home buyers you can really crush it or if you're working with senior citizens uh, a friend of mine she specializes in seniors she's got a whole marketing plan around that she'll take business that isn't but she knows that market better than most people because she specializes in it and a lot of agents are afraid to do that because they think they're going to miss out on all the other business and the reality is you'll get more business focusing and you can still service the other business or you can not, you can decide not to. And there are agents who I know who will refer anything out that's not in their wheelhouse of, of what they're, what they're comfortable with. And like you said, they may not be able to offer the best advice or that maybe not something that they're comfortable with, or they just don't know about it and say, Hey, maybe you can talk to so-and-so they're a better, uh, better fit for that. So knowing your product, knowing your market is great. And then you can then create the marketing and the, the, the programs around what you know, and it makes it easier. I can tell you in the farm that I, when I first started my farm, I could tell you all the schools, all the parks, all the restaurants, all the things in the area. I can tell you the builders, cause I know it. I go to another town over and I don't know who built what, I don't know what street's good. What's not a good school. 
when I know that, that makes me that much more valuable to the client and it makes it easier for me to convert. And a lot of agents don't get that and they think, well, I'll just look it up. It's like most of the consumers know more than you do. So our job is to know more than the consumer. Absolutely. And that's the thing, right? It's part of ed education, always keeping yourself updated. And that's yeah. why having a smaller area over trying to you know, get everything is yeah. more advantageous to you. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, I, I 100% agree with you on that. Like myself, even I, I, I have two farms. Yeah. And what I mean by two farms, not necessarily areas, but two, sorry, two demographics that I'm yeah. after. One is the first time home buyers. Yep. My advantage, like the advantage with me for that, and the reason I choose that is because I'm uh, not in any particular rush. I'm like, I'm a non-pressure kind of person. Yep. So it's one of those things that when you're dealing with first time home buyers, there's a lot of patience required. Yes. <laughs> um, well, because they're learning, right? And sometimes yeah. they, uh, they second guess themselves. And when they second guess themselves, they can actually lose the original property, Yeah. which means you're back on the hunt, which is yeah. fine. Yep. But not everyone is as patient as I am about it. Like I, I'm pretty much fine if I see one to four homes before they buy, or if I see a thousand, I couldn't care less. Right. Right. Like I, I'm all right. As long as it's progress and we're getting narrowing it down. Yeah. They're not right? like, just wasting your time. Yeah. Like if it's progress, I don't mind. I'm patient. Whether it takes a month, a week, two months, three months, six months, doesn't matter. Right. Yep. So that's why I don't mind doing first time home buyers. That's one thing. Another thing I, uh, the, my second demographics that I, that I look is sort of, uh, families. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, like newly fa new family, like young kids and you know what I mean? Because, um, yeah, because I like I, I tend to learn the schools and the communities. I kind of can relate to it. I don't know why I relate to it because I'm, I'm not married and I don't have kids, but somehow yeah. I relate to them. <laughs> <laughs> I just end up being in sync. I mean, those have been those two have been the majority of my clients. Yeah. Right. So I've been working on that the majority of the time. So why not build on whatever is working for me now? Exactly. And if you can pick a geographic farm that has a, a your ideal client, not that everyone in that area is that ideal client or, or like that, that just has more of that. And again, going back to, I, not, I'm not ageist, but there are pockets like here in Burlington, Aldershot tends to have an older demographic. Now that's changing because those older people are selling off, they're, they're going into retirement homes and they're putting in new construction, they're tearing down the homes. But if you, if you understand the needs and the the wants of a, a senior citizen and how to work with them. It's a very different process than like you said, a young family or a first time buyer. So when you can again create the, the value for them, it can change your business. So find a farm that matches the type of client that you would really want to work with. And that's, that's a definitely a big part of choosing. So if you live in an area that doesn't match that, that may not be the, the their ideal farm. Absolutely. I get it. See, that's the thing, right? Like, up till now, like my, my business is, I'm in a bit of a change yep. and part of it has to do with the COVID. Right. Um, a lot of people are doing what I did. I started off born and raised in Etobicoke for 40 out of my 44 years. Okay. And, um, so obviously I started there and obviously I get, I, I, for once upon a time, I got a good chunk of business because of the area. And obviously the people I would that know me from that area, yep. but what I'm finding is the same old people that I'm talking about are now still calling me, but they're not calling me for a tobacco. They're calling because right. they're leaving. Right. And they're moving West. Yep. Right. So that seems to be a common thing. Yep. And, um, like, so up till now it was 40% of my business was Etobicoke. Mm -hmm. 40% was Burlington. Okay. And 20% was a little bit of everything else. Yep. So I moved to Grimsby. Okay. And, um, I figured even though I live here, I'm kind of new to it. I mean, I know the area. Yeah, I know the area well because I've 
been here for a while now, but it's yeah. one of those things that for me, Grimsby was like starting over. Right. Um, so I figured I, I picked my farm to be Burlington, Oakville, Burlington, right? Like I even got my website is oakvilleburlington.ca nice. for that purpose. Right. Yeah. Um, now most of my business kind of like that I've done is around like around the Thomas Alton and corporate area. Yeah. So those, um, they're young, you know what I mean? Cause they have some of the condos in that area. Yeah. They have the new towns and new houses. Right. So it's still the younger base. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I like to stick around the Appleby walkers line area as well. So after that, then, you know, I, I've done business out there, but I'm saying the majority of them is coming that those areas. Yeah. So, yeah. And like you mentioned, th things change and the, the demographic or the, the patterns that people do when it comes to moving changes. 20 years ago, people weren't having a mass exodus from Mississauga and, and Etobicoke out to this way. It was mostly people moving and, and selling here and within the area last five ten years we've seen that shift of people moving from the city moving out they can't afford the area and they keep moving out so you have to adapt and have to go okay if people aren't moving from my area to, to move to my farm i gotta catch them when they're looking when they're moving from etobicoke to burlington how do i catch them that way and if they're moving from burlington into niagara because they're different whole different market as well it's like well what can i do to make sure that i either either catch a piece of that or help them on that way so you have to shift as trends happen the perfect example is the toronto downtown market with the condos like not many people would have seen it happening like that so but you got to shift so if your market is condos downtown it's like you got to pivot and, and be able to to change what you're doing and that's the mistake that a lot of people make when it comes to farming when they only have one or two strategies they go okay well I was door knocker and I was an open house person. COVID is a perfect example that it can completely wipe out your business if you rely on just one strategy. And that's why I, I talk about strategy stacking all the time where you need to have a number of different strategies to create that safety net. Because if something happens, if you were, everything was door knocking and now you can't door knock, You're done. business dries up. Or if you were open houses and you can't do open houses, your business dries up. So when you have a farm, this is why I like farms. When you have a geographic farm, you can layer in different strategies. You can layer in for sale by owners. You can layer in open houses. You can layer in door knocking. You can layer on online leads. You can layer in community events. You can layer in working with local businesses. So you can have a bunch of stuff that magnifies what you're doing in one area and still add on and, and, and really find what works for you in that community. But when you have one pillar or two pillars of getting your business, COVID's a perfect example that it can wipe out well, even now, right? Because remember, I said I moved to Grimsby, right? Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, Grimsby's like next to uh, Hamilton Stony Creek area. Yep. And I've wanted to break in here. Right. And believe me, it was really, really, really difficult. They're probably one of the most difficult things I've had to do. <laughs> I find this is like very community based and everybody yes. knows everybody. Yep. And they try to break in and they're just like, yeah, you're not from here. Get out of here. And it's yep. like, no, I moved. Really? I did. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but um, when uh, COVID hit and everybody started moving west, yeah, it sort of broke the ice for me. Exactly. Yep. Create an opportunity and, for you to now say, hey, I'm, I'm like everyone else that's moving out here now and you can capture that that piece of the business absolutely like like even now like i say because we're talking about areas right like even yeah. now i'm focusing less on etobicoke i'm not saying no to it right but i no longer promote to it i thought this is yep. the perfect opportunity to get everybody that's moving west and find them in the west this way i can focus in the west since i live out yeah. here yeah exactly right so um yeah like so for now like like i said my my, my borders are etobicoke but now I'm focusing Oakville to Grimsby. Yep. 
right? So just, and, and, and that would give me the opportunity. Um, we got to admit, obviously times have changed. I used to door knock a lot. Yes. Um, and trust me, when I started door knocking, every four letter word that I shouldn't say was coming out of my mouth <laughs> until I got to the front door. The minute I go boop, boop, it stopped. <laughs> and um, by the time uh, I was done, it's like one of those things that you know it's good for you and you know you should do it. Yeah. And, but you don't really don't want to do it. And then um, I found a way to make it fun. I um, like, for example, I used to go to the gym and then I'd be on the damn uh, treadmill. And eventually I started skipping the treadmill, right? Cause I just <laughs> yeah. couldn't do it. And I'm sitting yeah. there and I'm going, you know, it's not helping. I need this treadmill, <laughs> right? So I'm like, I thought, you know what? Forget the treadmill. I'll use door knocking as my way to get out walking, yeah. Yeah. right? So I, 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 I've found a way to challenge myself yeah. something that I'm willing to do. I made it fun. I made it games. I like, I would pair up with somebody else, right? We want to see how many numbers we can get or how many emails we can get or how many calls we can get, right? So it's like a little competition. You're getting your yeah. exercise, plus you turn it into something fun. It became more adventurous. And it's yeah, just- I'm a big fan of gamification with your business. And when you can do that, like you said, it helps you stick around when it's not fun. It helps you also know, if you, if you tie it into numbers, it really helps too. So when we started our farm, uh, we went out and door knocked and then I tracked Okay, how many doors do we door knock on? How many people do we get? We, we did a neighborhood report and we would do the report. And then I would go, okay, well, how many people do we get to sign up? And then we played games going, okay, can we just get a little bit more? So what, can we change this word? Can we try this approach? Can we try this? And then we predicted how many people by the end of doing the whole entire farm could we get on a report? And I, I like numbers, so I worked backwards and it was like, man, and I it literally, it was like within 25 people, I had how many people we would get on a report and it just made it more fun for me. Then it made it also easy to then stick with it. Cause I go, okay, for me, it was, I knew that it was one out of four people would answer the door. So we were about 25% of the people were home on average. Sometimes it'd be get 30%, but it was usually about 25% and then 20 to 25% of the people would sign up for our report. So I would then play my game in my head going, okay, if I haven't got anybody in three doors. Odds are there's probably gonna be someone who's going to answer the door in the next time. And then every time I'd Talk to them like, okay, odds are someone's going to sign up every, out of every four people. Someone's going to sign up for my report. And then it just made it that much easier going, it's just a numbers game. And it was so predictable and so easy to do. Cause then you're like, yeah, it's, that's human nature is going to keep playing out. There's going to be one that might not be interested at all. Two that are going, no, thank you. And then one that says, yeah, sure. So it just made it easy. And yeah, like you said, when you gamify it, it makes it easier to stick around and, and, and enjoy it more and you still may not love it but it's still better than than going oh i hate this i hate this i hate this i hate this exactly like i found like i found that when i went between four and six yep i got the best result you That's get the exactly. people that are coming home and yep. then just before they're eating well sometimes exactly. you might catch somebody who has already started because some people start at five five thirty yep. but as a general i got my highest percentage at those times exactly we did we did ours was 3 30 to, to 5 at 6 30 that was our three hour window that was the best time we tried in the mornings we tried saturdays but during the week from 3 30 to, to 6 30 and then after that then you start getting people eating and they're like ah no and then it would also depend on the, the, the lighting and stuff like that it was in the winter time true have to do it a little bit earlier but yeah it's it makes a big difference when you can get more people true like another thing i started adding rather than just knocking on the door and saying hi i'm here yep right i thought you know i'd have my conversation yep. then i wouldn't and just leaving instead of leaving with a business card because you know people get a business card and say another one right yep. gone. 
um i i printed up like i would do it seasonal based on um events like for example like now i would have had uh calendars like uh yeah i would have had calendars for the new year right so i'd I'd knock on the door and i'd start my whole opening you know more of a happy holidays over uh you know hey i'm I'm in the area are you interested in selling i started off with the happy holidays and then have a conversation and then i would leave them with the calendar yeah even if they didn't want to sell now i'd have a reminder yeah exactly right it doesn't always work but hey you know what it's part of uh, branding as well. So worst case scenario, they learn my name, even if they don't use me. The best case scenario, they answer your phone. Exactly. Right? Another great thing that we used to do as well was um, we would tie it, like you mentioned, with an events, but we would do like a charity or something that was going on. So we would do a postcard and then we would, we would sponsor it. And that was part of what we did is our cost to sponsor it was we said we will do promotion of it in the area. And we'll, we'll pay for the, the postcards and we'll have it delivered to the area and we'll let people know. And it was cheap because we were, we would have sent out a postcard anyways. So we would do one side of the postcard was the, the charity or the event. And then the other side was ours. So then when we would door knock, we would say, Hey, we're just in the area today. We're letting you know about such and such event or such and such charity in the area. And then you hand them the card and then, Oh, while we're here as well, we're also in the business, we're in the, we're the neighborhood specialist. So if you have any questions, we have an, our neighborhood home price report you can sign up for. So then it tied us to the community. And it was giving them something, letting them know what was going on. And it really helped solidify that we were the, that we cared about the community and, and cared about what was going on. And that's the thing, right? So that's one way of showcasing that is just beyond me. Yeah, exactly. Right? There's, there's something out there for them, right? Exactly. Like, and, and like you said, you participate in the events. And that's why what I did like about events, because I used events as my excuse, not looking for a sale. And yeah. um, like I said, I had one for Valentine's. I had one for Easter. Yeah. I've had one, you know what I mean? Like, I love it. I love ba- doing a base. And that's why I said, I get my exercise. I made it yeah. a competition. Plus I based it on events. So exactly. between the three, it, it sort of made it uh, feasible versus uh, making me dread it. Yeah. And again, so, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, if push comes to shove and, and someone has to choose between agent A who just promotes themselves or agent B who promotes themselves and does events in the community and cares, they're going to go, well, this person, I've seen this person around and I see that they're involved in the community and that they run these events. It's like, well, then I would rather talk to that person. And there are a lot of agents out there who are just promoting themselves and that's all they're doing. Like that's a great way to stand out just by doing more for the community than the other agents. And there aren't a lot of agents doing a lot of stuff in their farms and a lot of things. So it's like, if you can do that, that gives you a, a huge way to stand out. That's true. Very true. So that's the other thing. So that's door knocking, right? But like you said, there's more to farming than just door knocking. Yep. Um, obviously, I haven't utilized everything. One of the big things I'm pushing right now is uh, local businesses, is focusing and spotlighting local businesses. And I've been saying this, especially with everything that's going on with COVID right now, the community is so hyper aware of how important local businesses are and they want to support local businesses. In the past, people would say, yeah, we should support local, but right now it's under a magnifying glass of how we can support local businesses and you can become that community ambassador by helping those local businesses. So if it was me, if I was starting fresh, didn't have anything, the first thing I would be doing is going out and spotlighting and showcasing what local businesses are in your area. You can do a Zoom meeting with a local business. You can do blog articles. You can do an interview. Just you do proper health protocols and whatever. But you can promote anything they've got coming up, helping them if they've got some new programs because of COVID, if they've got 
coupons or discounts or, or, or events or giveaways, promote that and just become that person who's that middle person for the community with the local businesses. Because most local businesses are struggling right now. And because of that, they don't have a marketing budget or they're going to cut back on their marketing budget. If you can be that person and be the person to help them market, they're going to love you. They're going to give you credit because you're helping them. And the community is going to see you're that person who cares and cares for the community. I, in, on my show, I interviewed uh, Jessica Starr and she talked about there was a, a, a business that she helped out and promoted them. And they said, because of that promotion, they had X amount of people come through. They said they would have closed their business down. But because of that promotion, gave them enough sales to keep going and make it through the, the thick of when COVID first hit. So she made an impact in that person's business. And that would have been one less business in the area because she helped promote and made that change and or sorry made that impact and was able to share so it's like if, if you're if you're getting into a farming right now if you're not doing stuff with local businesses you are missing out on a ton of of potential the other reason why i lo like local businesses is i like the one to many approach i talk about this all the time if i was to go out and try to get my message in front of one person at a time it's time consuming it's expensive and can be very difficult to try to get my message out to a lot of people one by one a business who has an audience has an audience that you can get in front of. So if I can get in front of that local business, I can then get in front of their audience. Just like what's happening right now, you have your audience. I'm You're sharing my message with your audience. Now your audience sees it and then that shares the message. So when you showcase local businesses, you are now getting in front of their audience. And then a, a not tricky, but a, a thing that happens is there's already instant trust because that business is seeing you're being seen through the business's eyes. They trust you more because if I just walked up to them and said, hi, I'm Ryan, I'm in real estate. But if that business says, this is Ryan, he's a real estate agent, you should talk to him. It builds trust. And the other thing that happens is, I, I share this all the time, is if I put an ad in the paper or if I do a Facebook ad, I don't go run out and tell my friends and family and say, look, I put an ad in the paper or mom, <laughs> I, I ran a Facebook pay, a Facebook ad. My mom could say, I don't even know what that is. I don't even care. But if someone featured me, I'm going to go tell my friends and family and say, look, mom, this newspaper featured me or this blog article featured me or this podcast featured me and I'll share it with my audience. So just like this, I'm going to go share this with my audience because it makes me look good and it makes me feel good about myself. Like, oh, I'm on this podcast. So I'm going to share my podcast or your podcast to my audience because now you get the message out there. So when you share and, and, and highlight local businesses, they are in turn going to want to share it with their friends and their family and they get your message out there for you and they're doing the sales for you. So it helps, it helps them, it helps you, it helps the community. So that's one thing I would really be focusing on. Um, another thing would be community events that you can do that's COVID friendly. So COVID based right. events. If you can be doing those kind of things, there's a huge opportunity. I've seen a lot of agents who are doing uh, trivia nights or giveaways or contests and things like that, that, that people can do. So you have to be creative. And again, it's going to depend on your area. It's going to depend on what local businesses and things are going on, depending on where you're at from a COVID restriction wise, some things may be better than others, but the agents who I've seen who've done the best with farming are the ones who make community the center of their of their business. When they make the community first, when they put the sorry, when they put the community first, they're the ones who crush it. They're the ones who are just blowing out of the water. When they give back to the community, when they do events for the community, when they make when they have charities for the community, when they put the community first above their their business, 
those are the agents who do way better than the agents who just promote themselves. And I've seen it time and time again. So I would say, how can I look at the community and go, how can I give back to them and how can I help grow the community? Absolutely. That's the other thing, right? Like going to what you're saying in terms of uh, helping the local business and being involved that way. Like, let's face it, the majority of our business, doesn't matter how much branding we do, how much advertising we do, if you're successful, the majority of your business is coming from referrals from people you know, or people you met or people you've helped. Yep. And that being said, right, like, so when you're interviewing a local business, it's more than just sharing their content. It's yep. the fact that you now have made a relationship with them and exactly. they may not be in the market right now. But what are the clientele that they're talking to? And they're and let's face it, if you're a, a small business now or a local business that we're going to call it, you're going to be talking to more customers than normal yep. because you're being limited based on uh, policy because of COVID. Yep. So you're going to be interacting with people more and yep. talking. So everybody likes to talk about real estate to a point, right? Yep. Whether it's negative or positive, there's always a conversation. Yeah. If you've helped a business chances are when they're saying oh i'm looking for a home well y'all no problem where are you looking oh, i'm looking to move down the street but uh you know i haven't seen anything i liked oh who you oh who's your agent oh i don't know oh i have a I have uh somebody i know that can help you yeah exactly. right because yep. help me and i'll help you exactly right and i think that that's kind of the incorporated into what you what you're saying here yep. and, and like a prime example i constantly get messages and i love this one i can help your clients wonderful great how with what oh and then it's always the same thing right so you want to help my clients great no problem why don't you send me a couple and i'll send them back to you and you can help them yeah you know what i mean like like there's 12 or 13 of everything and yep. you know like out there in every community yep. and i'm not saying that i you know i fault people for trying don't misunderstand me but my point i'm getting at just messaging me to say i'm going to help your clients exactly why you know what i mean like that, that's the bare like, minimum you'd expect them to do that yeah I kind of already, you know, I, it's not like I've, I just opened business uh, or open shop yesterday and um, hmm, who do I call? I don't know. Right. I've been in it for a while. Chances are I have my links. I have my connections already. Yeah, exactly. Right. So what are you going to do that's going to make me want to send them to you over yeah. the people I'm already sending to? Exactly. And let's face it, even in our business, when we refer, it's not like a lot of business. To some degree, we take on some liability with that. Right. We're and putting, and we're putting that, our neck out there. Right. So why it's not like it's just a simple, here you go. And I don't know, don't care. Don't want to know. No, yep. no. Cause once I send it to you somewhere and something goes wrong, it comes back to haunt me. Yeah. And some cases it can even haunt us financially. Yep. Right. And like, it's not like, you know, well, it's just a referral. Sorry. No, they us <laughs> for everything. Let's face the reality. Yeah. Right. So, so that being said, I got to stick my neck out yep. for, for why would I want to do that? I would literally have less risk by saying, don't know, than the, <laughs> like, honestly, yeah. right? It seems bad. I mean, not that you want to tell a customer, don't know, or yeah. don't care, right? I mean, like, don't want the liability. You wouldn't say that, right? Yeah. But the point I'm getting at, if you're going to put your neck on the line, you're going to put it on for somebody you trust. Yeah. You're not going to put it on just because some guy messaged you, I can help your clients. Good for yeah, you. Exactly. Not anybody else, yeah. right? So part being part of the community is, is more of showing how I can help. And what exactly. I can do over exactly. just uh, just some message because you're messaging everybody you connect to. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and when you do that and you're focusing on highlighting businesses, that's an easy in for you to say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm doing this to promote it here. The reason why it's like, I want to help the community. I want to give back. I'm not asking anything of you. I'm not asking you to refer me anything. I want to just showcase your business. Now, next time they're going to go, wow, Ryan was great. He was helping me. He stuck his neck out. He didn't just ask me for referrals and they're more likely to work with you. And, and when you create those relationships, you'll start to see it really work together. And you, you, the thing is, you don't know who's going to refer you. And you don't know who's going to be a great referral. We think when it comes to, this is the mistake I see a lot of agents make, is they get into the business and they look for referral partners that are mortgage brokers, inspectors, lawyers, uh, moving companies. And they pick the, the, the usual suspects of real estate who most of those people aren't going to give you a referral or can't give you a plethora of referrals because we refer them. Like I would say, we're the hub and we refer out to the lawyer. We refer usually to the mortgage broker. We refer to the home inspector and to the stager and the mover. So we, most agents look at their preferred vendors as those people. It's like, but they're not going to give you, send you as much business back as you're going to send to them. But the other companies, the flower shop, the, the, the bridal company, the, uh, the storage company, those local businesses are are seeing people and having different conversations with people outside of real estate, but that can tie in. And, and when you build those relationships, they can become a huge referral source and you don't know who it's going to be. And you don't know who's going to be able to give you a lot of business. And the perfect example is I had a mastermind group years ago that I was part of, and there's a gentleman in there who did debt consolidation and he helped people who were doing debt consolidation. I ended up getting a number of deals from him because he got people who got themselves into debt and then had to sell their homes. Well, it was a win-win for both of us because I was able to help him out and I was able to help him with doing home evaluations for his clients. And then he was able to have something that he knew they could trust when the person needed to sell their home that they're going to get top dollar for it. And so it's like, you don't know where that next deal is going to come from or where those referrals are. So build relationships with the local community and build them with the lo those local businesses because you could find that one person who just knows everybody and is a super connector and could be your biggest source of referrals. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The other thing I was going to ask you, and I'm not sure if, if you get a lot of this question, but when you started, yep. like when you started and you decided to farm and everything, what was your most difficult part about it? Like what was the most difficult time you had and how did you uh, overcome it? So there's, I'll share two. The first was I made a mistake when I started farming I focused on numbers, straight, straight numbers. So I looked at it at the turnover rate and the price point and thought, this is great. What happened was I chose the area and the, predominantly it was a new immigrant to Canada area. So English was not the first language and culturally it was a very different culture than my own. And when we got in there on a paper, if you just look at the number of sales and the turnover rate, it looks great. Then we got out there, people didn't want to talk to me there was a, a language barrier. So it was very difficult. So I, I failed at that. I, I literally started, I, I bought all this promotional materials. I got all this stuff going and then realized English is a, is a major issue for me. So that was a, a big failure. So how I got over that was I chose an area that was a better fit for me. And then the other thing for me, the hurdle was getting out there and, and being afraid. And I was terrified to go out there. I was terrified to door knock. I was terrified to cold call. I was terrified to do those things. I wanted to hide behind my computer because I'm more of an introvert and I wanted to just send people messages saying, send me business. And I wanted to hide and not get out there. And uh, the best thing I ever did was start door knocking because it forced me exactly like you said, I did it and I had to gamify it. And once I got doing that, I realized this is so much easier than I thought. No one hates me. No one's 
slamming the door in my face. No one thinks I'm an idiot. And when I came with value, people actually appreciated it. And I was like, oh, this is a lot easier to the point we ended up doing like 10,000 doors, door knocks in, in a year and a half because it was like, oh, I can actually do this and it's not that hard. So getting out of your fear and, and thinking that it's going to be something that is not, I would say a lot of agents struggle with that and they assume it's going to be something until they go out and do it. And until you've tried it, tried it well enough, especially with farming, you don't know if it's going to work or not. So go try it. Makes sense. I had the same uh, similar uh, thing, you know, when I started door knocking. Yeah. I um I remember because generally I'm actually not so uh, shy. Okay. I have my moments. No, I'm not saying 100%, right? But yeah. as a general rule, I have no problem speaking. Like like a lot of people struggle with video. Right. I decided I want to do video. I just boop, done, yeah. started. <laughs> I didn't didn't think twice about it, right? Yeah. So um but for whatever reason, I, I, when I wanted to go door knocking, I got into that charge. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I, I, like I said, I got a, a buddy to go with me yep. and I remember he's like, we're going and he was the more shy guy than I am. Yeah. Right. And I remember we had a whole, what, what are we going to say? What's the script? I don't know. I didn't write it down. I'm going <laughs> to wing it. Right. Like, let's just go. Let's just go. Let's, you know, like I get to the front door and I'm ready and I'm ready and I'm ready. Person opens the door. I freeze, grab the guy. Whew, you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I just, oh. yeah. And I did not expect that because before yeah. the door opened, I was ready. I had a whole yeah. thing, a whole spiel, everything. And yeah. the door opens, and I, uh. <laughs> it's like, so yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> and, and in reality, the only way to get over that is to keep doing it. There's a lot of agents would would take that as their first experience and then never do it again. Go, oh, see. I can't do it. I choke with the door. It's like, no, you just got to just keep doing it. It gets easier and easier and easier. And there are times where it's like, we stopped door knocking for a couple months and then we go back and it's like, you're rusty. You're the nerves start going back again. And then by the time you've done 10 doors, you're like, okay, this is, I got it. But you just got to, you just got to keep pushing through and keep doing it. And if you do that and you commit, that's the, that's the easiest way to, to get over it. So. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I um myself, once it snows, first sign of snow, I'm done. I take a break yeah. from the snow. <laughs> I, I just not me. <laughs> yeah. Um, another idea for farming, and tell me what you think of this. Yeah. I did this before. I did it uh, for a luxury condo, um, and it was in Etobicoke, ironically, and it was a penthouse condo. The ask was something like 1.5, and um, this was right around the time I started. So. I got this open house from somebody in my office. They gave it to me. It was like, <laughs> and um, I thought, how the heck can I promote this? Right? Like rather than just waiting for the MLS to tell people that it's there, what else can I do? Because we want more than just the people who just show up. Yep. So what a brilliant idea. We printed flyers about the open house yep. and it was like an invitation. So I thought, okay, now I got these flyers and I thought, who can I give them to? Right? So I thought, okay, since I'm in Etobicoke and at that time I lived in Etobicoke still. So that was my area. I was trying to farm Mimico. Yep. And um, I thought the people here are generally older people who are going to have to start thinking about downsizing mm. or going into places without stairs. Mm. So I thought they're going to get the, a good chunk of money for these houses. At the time, I think the average price was 1.5, 1.6. I go, chances are they can move, make the move. Yeah. The condo's larger, as big as their house because it's like 14 or 1,500 square feet. Yep. They're uh, knocking on the bungalows there. They're about 1,400, 1,500. Some of them are 1,200. 
Yeah. Right. So that there are the price points on par roughly. Yeah. So they can sort of like instead of going to a retirement home, they can go yeah. into a condo. It's a lateral so, move. Yeah. Absolutely. So that was my uh, target. Yeah. So I use that as a door knocking opportunity. Yeah. Right. So printed up these flyers, invitations, knocked on the door, told them who I was, what I was there for, and I just wanted to invite them. Yep. And um, by the end of it, I was down. Uh, we printed up like three hundred of them. I think we printed up 300. I might have done a little bit more, but uh, we went through the houses. We burned, and I had about a good 75 left by the time I was done door knocking that day. Because this is the day before the open house. I mean, you right. do it a week in advance, nobody's coming. Yeah. <laughs> so then I thought, what do I do with this? I don't want to just chuck it, and I'm not going to come back in the morning before the open house. Yeah. So I was with somebody else from the office. Uh, we worked together on this, and uh, we went out, grabbed uh, dinner. And we were just talking about strategy and stuff. And I thought, we're at a restaurant that's below the condo. Mm, yeah, yeah. Right? And they got a parking lot of all yep. visitors. Yep. We blasted all the street parking, parking in the units. Like, I don't mean the residential parking. Yeah, yeah. We're talking Keep about the visitors. Yep. And everybody along the line who parked in front of the restaurant, we blasted those flyers till we ran out. I actually got two calls from people for that. Wow. Yeah, exactly. You never know where it's going to come from. So that's awesome. So, yeah. So that was one area. Like, so that's, that's the point of you can, if you're doing an open house yeah. and you're doing it in your area, you can use that as your excuse yeah. to go and talk to people. Yeah. My, uh, another good one is the neighborhood exclusive open house. When, when we're able to do open houses again, yeah. uh, my friend, again, my friend Adam in that little area, that's part of how he built his business was, he would do an open house before the open house for the neighbors. He would do an hour earlier and he would invite them out and have them come over. And then he would do like a draw for a gift card uh, for the neighbors exclusively and have them come stop by. And he got so much business from that. And they knew to expect that they got the private invite only. And it was only open to the people. And again, only 250 or 280 homes. So it was easy for him to, to bang out in, in one afternoon. And he just got that extra or the extra wow for the neighbors because he was providing something different than anyone else was doing. And it's, yeah, when you, when you can work the area and tie in, like you said, tie in what's going on in the area, it just creates that much more value to the people and gets your message out there. Absolutely. So I'm going to try to respect your time a bit. Yeah. It's been going on. Um, what I want to ask you is maybe if we can leave off with the do's or don't in firm. Like, like maybe a few things you should definitely not do. Sure. And, and some things that, you know, if you're going to do something, start somewhere, do it. Like that's, yep. there's always deal breakers and deal makers. What would those sure. be? I'll give you a few of those. So the first one is don't give up. That's the biggest mistake where I see most agents fail is they choose a farm and they give up way too early. They quit in three months or two months or six months and they, they don't commit to it. On the flip side of that though, is do plan ahead and budget ahead so that you aren't going to run out of money. So make sure you're planning ahead and don't give up, but make sure you're able to, to commit to it. Like I said, my friend Adam knew for the year, he said, this is what I'm going to do. The other thing is don't go too big. I've mentioned that at the very beginning is don't choose your farm area too big. And then on that other side of that is do it correctly and stick with it and be consistent. So you have to pick your, what you're going to do and do it consistently. Don't go too big. I'd rather see you, like I said, double down. I'd rather see you do twice a month than every two months and pick an area that's smaller. Uh, do things that you are going to actually enjoy. If you're not going to enjoy it in your farm 
and you're going to hate doing it and dread doing it. If you're committing to a farm for a long time and you, I'm not saying you shouldn't try door knocking or cold calling or whatever, but if you hate it, then don't make that a big part of your business. Find another way that you will somewhat enjoy. But on the flip side, know that there are certain things that are more effective and you may not like them, but they are effective. So you have to balance that effectiveness versus what I enjoy because a lot of agents contact me and say, well, I don't want to do this. 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 I don't, it's like, okay, well then you're going to have to spend a a bunch of money or you figure out something you're going to do. So you have to find something that I think you will enjoy or at least commit to and stick with. And then also when you do it, um, you have to adapt, you have to change and you have to be able to build a business that is adaptable. It may not be adapted right now. But like I said, when COVID happens, things change, the, the demographics changes, the market shifts, things happen. So you have to be able to, to really go through it and, and stick with it. And that's where I've seen a lot of agents fail as well, whereas they've got a plan and then something changes like COVID and then their plan is door knocking. And then they go, well, then I'm just going to stop my farm. Well, you got to be able to pivot. So by having that balanced approach, by having that strategy stacking in place, you can then pivot and you may have to take a hit until you get things back on track, but you have to have a, a business that will adapt and, and evolve. So I think that's my, my biggest advice that people are, are it's, it's more mental part of it, but the reality is, is, is set out a budget. And I'll say one last thing is don't, do your farm. Sorry, I'm going to say two because there's both. Don't do your farm and pay for it month by month. You need to prepay in advance or have the money set aside because that's another reason why agents fail is they go, well, I'm going to pay for it this month. And then all of a sudden they didn't get a sale. And then they go, well, I don't have the funds this month. So they stop doing it. So you need to have that funds set aside. And you should always have, again, on the other side of it is you should always fund your farm from your farm though. So start banking extra money and putting it away. Every time you do a deal, you want to get to the point where your farm self funds itself. Because if right. you don't do that, then you're going, do I want to take it out of my, my personal bank account to pay for that? Do I want to, uh, this month is slow. So I, maybe I won't, but when you have it self funding itself. So we took 10% off of our deals, every deal went back in and we farm funneled it back into the farm, every, every deal. And that just went into our bank account and the bank account went high some months. And then there was months that was low, but we just kept, feeding it. So if you're doing it, obviously you're going to need money to start because you don't have deals from your farm. But once you start getting deals, take money off of every paycheck and self-fund the farm. That would be my advice. Makes sense. Awesome. I'm going to uh, post all your information at the bottom so people know how to reach you. And I want to thank you very, very much. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was uh, very informative. Awesome. And uh, yeah, we'll have to check back in in the future and uh, continue the conversation. Awesome. And like I said, I will share with my Facebook as well, my, my contacts as well. So happy to be on. Thank you for letting me share my message. And I hope if anyone has any questions or need anything, they can reach out to me. They can find me on launcherfarm.com. You can find me at launcherfarm on Facebook and a bunch of stuff. So I'll send you my information so you can share that with people too. So fantastic. Thank you again, Ryan. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, John. Pleasure.